Well, good morning, Willow. How y'all doing? Y'all good? I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be back home out here with y'all. This snow is amazing. I love it. I get to watch it, see it, and fly over it when I go back to Southern California. So I am so excited to see it. I sent pictures to my babies and everything. I got a little bottle. I'm taking some home. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out, but we're going to see what we can do. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, meet me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we continue in our Together series. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin reading at verse 12, and we'll go to verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin reading at verse 12, and we'll go down to verse 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Just as a body, though one has many parts but all its many parts from one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for the privilege of opening this book and telling the greatest story that's ever been told, that is the love of a father and his relentless pursuit to love his children. Father, your children have gathered together today, so would you speak, O Lord? We're listening. Tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask now, Father, would you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, every heart said amen. 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 Uh, A few years ago, my wife and I uh, got a call from a pastor friend, and we were invited uh, to this special time at the Vatican where we would sit with uh, Pope Francis, and we would have an opportunity 
to, um, to share with him. He had a heart to see um, evangelicals and Catholics come together. And the, the, the vision of this time was to experience unity. So I, we only had two weeks. We had to buy our plane tickets. Um, it was, a, it was a, a Friday meeting, I believe. Uh, and I had to be at church on Sunday. So it was, like the, it was like Rome in 48 hours. So we packed up, went, and we had this quick turnaround. And we got to the Vatican uh, with, along with about 20 other pastors. And we went through security, and we were escorted in this beautiful space. I mean, I mean, you get in this space, and it's everything that you think it would be at the Vatican. It was the, the, the Pope's special private room. It was a gathering room, and the chairs were kind of set in a U shape. And at the center right there was the big, was like the big high chair. He was like, clearly, the Pope is sitting there, right? It's like, that is the Pope chair. So we're sitting there before the Pope even comes in. And of course, you know, I grab my phone out, and I take a selfie with the Pope chair. You know what I mean? My wife was like, get out of the chair. I was like, girl, you crazy. This is going to be on Instagram right here. I got on that thing. Well, I got that picture. So I got a good picture. And then and we're sitting there, and we're waiting on the Pope to come in. And the Pope comes in, um, not a lot of pomp and circumstance. He comes in, and he's greeting people very humbly. There's no ring kissing at all. Um, and then he starts, and he, he, he awkwardly says, well, let's sing something. Um, and we sing uh, a song together. And then he sits down and his opening remarks gripped me and grabbed me and they've never left me. He simply looked at us and said, this was a time um, when ISIS um, and terrorist groups were killing Christians all across the world. This is that season and that time, many of you will remember, when on YouTube you could see Christians being beheaded. So it was a tense time around the world. And he simply looked at us and he said, when our enemies come to kill us, they don't ask us what kind of Christian we are. They don't ask us if we're Catholic, if we're evangelical. They don't ask us if we're black, if we're white. They don't ask us if we're conservative or liberal. They don't see our divisions. When they come to kill us, they just simply want to know if we're Christian. And then he sits back in his chair and he says, if our enemies don't pay attention to our divisions that much, then why should we? Why should we? Paul, he's calling us as the body of Christ to stop focusing so much on our divisions. Stop, stop paying so much attention to the things that divide us or else you will miss the beautiful thing that brings us together. He's, he's giving us a picture and he uses as a metaphor to show us what the body of Christ should look like. He uses the physical body. He says God created the physical body and he, he created it so that it might be together as one thing. But one thing that he points out that he makes a really big deal of, this body has a whole bunch of different parts. And that's something that should not be focused on as being divisive, but it's something that should be celebrated. The fact that we are one body, but so different, but able to come together and work together as one body. Friends, that's the picture and the vision of community. That's what it means for us to come together. That's what it means for us to be one church, one family, one body. 
in my time together, I want to talk about this idea of community. What does it mean for us to live together? What does this mean for us to do life with one another? And there are three things that you need to understand about community. There are three elements that should always be in play in community. And then there's one fourth thing that will bring it all together. There, there, there are three things, though, and you, as you think about community, as you think about doing life with one another, as you think about the church, as you think about, about the body of Christ, there are three elements that biblically should always be there. And Paul points it out. Number one, he says the body, he's using this metaphor to, to, to give us a picture of what community should be like. He points out and he makes a big deal about the different parts. He says, you got a hand, you got an arm, you got an eye. They're all different, but it's not something to be uh, regulated or looked at as negative. It's something that should be celebrated. First thing he says is the body has diversity and it's beautiful and we should celebrate it. It's not a place to fight, it's a place to party. Because when folks and people and elements come together that normally don't come together, it's a beautiful expression of God's grace. He says, you got an arm that don't look nothing like an eye. You got an eye that don't operate like the ear. They each bring their own thing to the table. But oh, when they come together, it's a beautiful expression of the body. I experienced this firsthand when I moved from Mississippi to Southern California. That's a long way, not just geographically, but culturally. That's a long drive. I'm a long way from home. I moved from Mississippi, which I, I was at an all-black holiness church, old-school holiness church there in rural Mississippi. And then I moved, I get a job at this uh, conservative white evangelical mega church. They had thousands of people. My church in Mississippi had about 14. Um, <laughs> yes, you laughing, but I was there every week. Uh, but and then I go to this mega church that has thousands of people, huge church, huge building. It's completely cultural, different thing. I'm the only piece of chocolate in the room. Like I'm the, I ain't, ain't much chocolate in there at all. I ain't much caramel or it's just, it's, it's, so it's a cultural shock. Just being in California was a cultural shock. I get to California, me and my wife, we land. It's like, okay, we got a new journey together. Here we go. We go to the restaurant. First thing we do, we have a little meal. We walk, acclimate to the new city. First thing we ask the waitress is, excuse me, ma'am, can we get some sweet tea, please? She's like, sweet tea? I'm sorry, we don't have sweet tea. I said, what do you mean you don't have sweet tea? And then she offers me an alternative. She says, oh, but we have green tea. It's like, that's, that sounds disgusting. Who wants green tea? Sounds like tea that's been molded. Who would volunteer for that? Like, what in the world? Sounds like California is going to be an adjustment. 13 years later, I'm drinking green tea like nobody's business. It's, I love it. I do put a little extra sugar in it, though. I'm just going to tell you the truth, you know. But it, it's just, I just realized, oh, wow. We're, we have cultural differences. We have, first time I went to a white family's home. First time, Mississippi never happened. First time I went to a white family's home, we go, this couple from the church, we go to their home, we, we walk in the room, first thing they do is offer me a glass of wine. Well, in my holiness church, growing up in Mississippi, we didn't believe in drinking. That was a sin unto God and all of his angels. You know what I mean? Like, so I was like, a wine, I rebuked that glass in the name of Jesus. What kind of Christians is this? 
What is going on up in here? Y'all just drinking wine in the name of Jesus? This is unheard of. I started rebuking the couch, laying hands on the room. I said, this is, I'm in the devil's den. 13 years later, girl, give me some Cabernet in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. You know what I mean? I love white Christians. I can do this. Yes. Praise the Lord. I'm home. I started calling my Mississippi friends. Yo, y'all are missing out. Find some white Christians. They can expand your horizons. But I, I, it was just cultural stretches, culture. And then we get to the youth group. Y'all get to the youth group. And, and I got all these white kids as my youth group. I never had this before. This was completely new for me. And, you know, as a good youth pastor, you're supposed to do stuff with your kids. You're supposed to do, do activities and youth group activities and stuff. So they come to me and I says, Pastor Albert, we, we want to hang out this week. I was like, cool, let's go. What do we want to do? He says, we want to go hiking. <laughs> hiking? I don't think black people do that. I don't think, like, I'm not sure. I, I need to call in to the committee and ask, but I don't, I don't think we do that. I said, explain hike. Explain it to me. Let me help, help me understand. It's like, oh, no problem. Yeah, it's so fun. We get all of our stuff. We get our water bottles, and then we walk up the side of a mountain, and then we turn around, and we come back down. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to walk up the side of a mountain, we're going to get up there, and we, we ain't going to barbecue or nothing while we up there? We just going to turn around and come back down? Girl, call me when y'all get back. We don't do that. And I know inevitably there's always a black person in the room says, well, I do it. Well, come on, let's be honest. You know you're one of the only ones, right? Like, be honest here. They, I mean, it, they're just, I mean, honestly, I could watch the news and just tell that ain't black people. You can just see the headlines. Watch this. Man mauled by bear. That ain't us. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now, that ain't us. That ain't us. See, because we ain't up there where bears are. We up there. That's them white people up there hiking. That's who the ones that got mauled by the bear. We downstairs at our house. You know what I mean? We got to rule with animals. Y'all stay in y'all part of the world. We stay in our part. We won't come up to your house in the mountains. You don't come to our house. We got an agreement, Jack, you know? It, it's cultural differences. But when I tell you that diversity, we didn't make it a point to fight we made it an opportunity to engage. Whoo, that was good. I'm going to say that again. That was good. We took our differences and we didn't say, this is not an opportunity to fight. This is not a moment to fight. This is an opportunity for us to engage. Can I tell you that level of diversity in the body of Christ? It changed my life. What Paul is saying is when you see the body, when you just see an arm, that's impressive, right? That's, I mean, when you think about it, it's a biological, pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. You know what I mean? Especially those of you that got arms with like bubbles on them. You know what I mean? Like the, I've never seen those on my arm in my life. You know what I mean? But, but for those of you that, I mean, the, the strength, the, 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 I mean, it's beautiful. And to see, see the arms or to see the eyes and the wonder of the eye is pretty miraculous. But Paul says, step back when you see the whole body working and functioning together. It's a miraculous sight. Well, he's using that as a metaphor to say, when you see the body of Christ coming together, black folks, white folks, Asian folks, Latino folks coming together, when you see the body of Christ fully integrated, whoo, behold, it's a beautiful sight. To be honest, y'all know that's what heaven's going to look like. 
You know when you get to heaven, ain't going to be a white section or a black section or a Latino section or Asian section. Revelation says we will be there around God's throne, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every race, and we'll declare worthy is the lamb that was slain. We will be one body. We will be one church. Although parenthetically, you do know if it was a black section in heaven, the music would be off the chain, don't you? (laughs) Y'all know, I mean, you'd be like, girl, I'm going to the black section tonight. I'm going to get my groove on, you know. My thing is, Willow, here's the point. If that's what heaven's going to be like, shouldn't we start practicing now? Shouldn't we start engaging in that way now so that our earth should match heaven? Some of y'all don't get to heaven, you ain't going to know what to do. You don't want to wait to be sitting next to a black person for the first time in heaven. No, get that experience now. You don't want to be sitting in heaven wondering why this lady is shouting at Jesus. Because when we get to heaven, I'm telling you, people of color, we are an emotive people. We're going to be talking back to Jesus. Like, yes, Jesus, come on, Jesus. Yeah, come on. We'd be like, he's already come, ma'am. He's, that's why we're here. He's already come. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Jesus. You be trying to shush us like you do in the movies. No, we like to talk back. I I guess what I'm trying to say is there's something beautiful when the body comes together. Don't fall into this monolithic, segregated strategy that's not from heaven. God calls us to come together because when we come together, it says something to the world. It it says something to the world. I am out working there at the church. I am... I was working with my team, and my team was very diverse. Uh, we, had, we had this one guy, John. He's a big white dude, wore plaid all the time, and he literally looked like he just spent all day chopping wood. Like, that was his job. He just looked like that guy with a toothpick in his mouth. He just looked like that guy. And then we had this other young lady who, honestly, I thought she was from, like, a different country or something because she, I thought she had an accent. Well, it turned out that wasn't an accent. That was just the way they talked out there because she talked melodically. Like she, like she talked like this and like every time she talked, it was like a melodic tone, like she was singing, but she wasn't really singing. She was actually talking. And sometimes she, in her phrases, like it was a question, but it wasn't really a question. It was really an exclamation point, but it sounded like a question. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know. So I was like feeling like I was on a melodic roller coaster trying to listen to her talk and I didn't understand what she was saying. So I was like, where are you from? She's like, she's from down the street. Now, what are you talking about? And then we, we had this other guy, Kenny. Kenny had, his hair was like three different colors. It was like burgundy, then a blonde, then black. And it all came together like a flock of seagulls kind of thing. And he had like a nose ring, a lip ring, an eyebrow ring, and then like 20 earrings. Like, he's scary. You know what I mean? Like, I was like... I had to talk to HR twice just about, you know, making sure everything was appropriate. Like, I mean, we're, and we're all sitting down at the table. Then obviously you got me, brother from Mississippi, trying to order sweet tea. So we're all, we're all sitting at the table and our waitress comes up. I'll never forget it. You ever, you ever think something, but you never plan to say it, but your mouth doesn't get the memo? (laughs) This ever happened to y'all? And you just walk up and it just comes out your mouth? I could tell that's what happened to her. She walked up to our table and she was like, what y'all doing together? (laughs) 
Because what she saw did not make sense at all. She was like, y'all should not be together. What, should, what, what are y'all doing together? How powerful for us to be able to look and respond to her by saying, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what brings us together. We've all stepped outside of our monolithic cultural worlds and grabbed onto something bigger than all of us, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it brings people together. It brings people together. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is so divided along race. They're so divided along politics. And they look to the church. And when they look to the church, they shouldn't see us just as divided as they are. The 11 o'clock hour is still the most segregated hour of the week on Sundays. And when they see the church, they should see people together that don't look alike, don't live alike, don't vote alike. They should see people who have come together in the name of something greater, not in the name of the Republican Party, not in the name of the Democratic Party. Last time I checked, Jesus ain't coming back on the back of an elephant or a donkey. He's coming back to usher in the kingdom of God. Oh, you ought to say amen right there. You ought to say amen right there. Listen, I'm telling you, we've, we've got to start being shaped, not by CNN, not by Fox, not by MSNBC, but by the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Oh, I wish I had a witness up in here. Paul is saying when the body comes together with that kind of diversity, it shows the fullness of who God is. It gives a prophetic witness to the world that the church has got something that the world doesn't have. We've got the ability to come together with differences and diversity, but not be divided because the gospel of Jesus Christ brings us together and we stand as one body with one Lord, with one faith, with one baptism, declaring the glory of the Lord in the earth. We're one church. So here's the question. As you look at your social circle, as you look at your life, here's the question and here's the charge. What would it mean for you to intentionally do life with people that don't look like you, don't live like you, don't vote like you, so that in your life you get to experience the beauty of the fullness of the body at work. It won't be easy. You may have to go hiking. <laughs> but I figured out how to hike and barbecue at the same time for the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Second thing that community should have, not just diversity, but humility. Humility. Uh, in, in the passage, Paul talks about, he says, he warns against the eye. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Uh, the eye, the, the, the hand can't say to the arm, uh, please, I'm over you. I don't need you anymore. I can do it by myself. Uh, he says, be careful. You can't have arrogance in community with this level of diversity. It just doesn't work. You've, you've got to have a clear perspective of who you are, and who you are not. 
you, you got to humble yourself. There's a story of Muhammad Ali. He's on a plane, and the plane gets ready to take off, and they announce, uh, everyone, please put on your seatbelts. And, and Muhammad Ali refuses to put on his seatbelt. He refuses to put on the seatbelt. They make the announcement again, please, everyone, we're about to take off. Please put on your seatbelts. He refuses to take, put on his seatbelt. After a while, the stewardess comes to him and says, please, sir, would you please put on your seatbelt? He says, uh, I'm Superman. Superman don't need no seatbelt. Um, she says, sir, please, uh, we, we can't take off uh, without, without you putting on your seatbelt. He says, I'm Superman. Superman don't need no seatbelt. She says, sir, please, if you don't take, put on your seatbelt, we will not be able to take off. You have to put on the seatbelt. He says, I'm Superman. Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she says, sir, with all due respect, Superman don't need no plane. Please put on your seatbelt. Arrogance is a funny thing when you get in community. Many times we show up thinking we're Superman, we're Superwoman, thinking we can accomplish and do all things. As a matter of fact, to be honest, Satan's one of his greatest strategies is to convince you to live in isolation. Because if he can keep you in isolation, you'll never reap the harvest of the fruit of godly community and what it means not to do life alone. Some of you have come in this room today, you're watching, and you've showed up in isolation, and you're doing it by yourself, because you've believed the lie, you're Superman, you're Superwoman, you don't need no seatbelt, you don't need community, you don't need accountability, you've arrogantly believed the lie that you can do it on your own. Let me just tell you something. You've got to be humble enough to know that fundamentally we need each other and we were created for fellowship. We were created for community. And I don't care what lie you've told yourself or what you've convinced yourself to believe, you cannot do this on your own. Some of you are navigating one of the roughest seasons in your marriage and you've convinced yourselves as a couple, we don't need any help. We can do it on our own. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. Some of you are navigating one of the roughest seasons financially, and no one knows. Your family doesn't know. Your community doesn't know. Your church doesn't know. Your pastors doesn't know. Here you are struggling on the verge of homelessness, and you're sitting there saying arrogantly, I'm Superman. I'm Superwoman. I don't need that. I'm going to do it on my own. Can I tell you that's the greatest strategy from hell is to get you to live in isolation and to think you can do it by yourself. Humble yourself. And embrace the reality that we need each other. We need each other. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn around and tell three people. Tell them with boldness. Tell them we need each other. Tell them we need each other. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Come on, tell them. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. A couple been married for 25 years. That's the first time they ever said that to one another. Praise God. I am finally, finally got a breakthrough up in here. Uh, Y'all, we, we need each other. And you got to humble yourself and realize you're not superwoman. You're not superman. But we serve a supernatural God who has brought together the supernatural family of the kingdom and the body of Christ so that we might help and serve and love one another. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got to humble yourself. And lean in the community. I don't know. I feel like I need to linger here just 30 more seconds. 
Some of you are struggling right now in isolation and nobody knows. I push you. I urge you. I beseech you. Get in community. Tell somebody what's really going on with you so that you might benefit from the arm of someone else. So you might benefit from the hand of someone wiping the tears. So you might benefit from someone holding you up. You weren't made for isolation. You were made for fellowship. Humble yourself and embrace this community. Thirdly, not only is kingdom community marked with diversity, marked with humility, but it's also marked with empathy. It's also marked with empathy. You'll notice, he says, you can't disregard the eye. You can't disregard the arm. You can't disregard the hand. You can't disregard the other parts of the body. Just because they're different and just because you don't understand them doesn't mean that you have to disregard them. Can you imagine how lonely it must have been for it to be the hand? Can you imagine the hand complaining, I'm sick of this. I'm the only one lifting up stuff. I'm the only one picking stuff up. I got to carry everything, even the mouth. In order for you to get food, I got to carry it to you. I'm just tired. No one understands what it's like to be a hand. Can you imagine him complaining? Then the ear saying, wait, hand, listen, listen, listen. Oh, that's right. You can't listen because you're a hand and I'm an ear. You don't know what it's like to have to hear all the complaining and hear all of the stuff in the process. He says, he says, with the body of Christ, be careful because we'll look at other people and make assumptions about them and not really appreciate the weight and the burden that they carry. We'll just start smacking labels on one another. Oh, I don't want to listen to you because you're liberal. I don't want to listen to you because you're conservative. I don't want to listen to you because you're charismatic. I don't want to listen to you because you're always talking about victim. I don't want to listen to you because you're always talking about white guilt or privilege. I don't want to listen to you because you're always talking about immigration. I don't want to listen to you. And we start slapping labels on one another. And if we're not careful, that's what the news and the media, they, they help us to put labels on one another so we can make it easy to dismiss one another. Not listen to the burden that they carry. Not listen to the plight of their heart. We just put a label on them and just dismiss them. Part of community is empathy. And the idea of empathy is two parts. It's listening and then coming alongside. It's listening and then coming alongside. Listening takes, takes a posture that says, I'm listening to hear, not listening to respond. This, this is something, took me 15 years of marriage before I figured it out. Me and my wife have married 16 years. I just figured this out a couple of months ago. <laughs> because I'm just going to tell the truth. And maybe, I don't know if there's anybody else in here like this, but I did not listen to hear. I listened to respond. You talking... I ain't listening to none of you saying because I'm already working out my response before you even get done. So as soon as you get done talking, I got a response ready to put on the table. Are you done talking? Now listen, this is what I got to say. I ain't heard nothing they said. Anybody else in here like that? Come on, come on, raise your hand. Your, your, your spouse sitting next to you, you might as well tell the truth. They elbowing you, that's you. I'm just waiting on you to take a long breath and then I'm going to drop my response in that space. I already know what I'm going to say next. I'm not... That's not listening. That's fighting. You, you, you're just trying to make your point. Listening to hear means I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to process it. 
Here's the key that my, my therapist told me. All without speaking. I told my therapist, I've never done that a day in my life. I've never done that. <laughs> Be quiet. Listen. Hear. Then come alongside in a way to put yourself in their shoes. You're going to appreciate the diversity at the table. You've got to be willing to listen to the diversity at the table, recognizing that it's not your experience. Of course it's not your experience. You're a hand. All you know is being a hand. Listen to what the ear's experience is. Of course I don't know what it's like to be a white Christian. I spent all my life as a black Christian. I've got to listen and hear what the experience is and not just label people. I've got to intentionally pursue one another. Of course, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I've been a man my whole life. So I need to be quiet and stop telling my wife, what does it mean to be a woman? Although I had great insights that I thought were valuable, but for some reason she didn't think I had credibility. (laughs) Who knew? My therapist said, Albert, keep those thoughts to yourself. And I've learned to do that in the last seven months. I, I guess what I'm saying is, Be quiet, listen, and allow the Holy Spirit to massage empathy for the other, for people that don't look like you, didn't vote like you, didn't live like you. The Holy Spirit wants to give you capacity to empathize and to come alongside. One one of the ways that this came alive in my life in a way that transformed me, I was preaching at a church one time and a young lady came to me after the service and she was broken. You could tell the Holy Spirit had gripped her in such a way. She was pregnant, not married, and she had a very stern, borderline abusive mother. And she knew that if she went home and told her mother that she was pregnant, her mother would put her out of the house. So she had come to me because she had an abortion appointment set for Tuesday. And this was Sunday. And she wanted to know, would the Lord forgive her for an abortion? Well, immediately I began to pull resources around her and begin to show her a different way. Show her a vision of how you can have this baby. You can, you, you can still have a healthy life. And if your mother puts you out, we can find housing for you. So I started pulling resources, ministries that specialize in this. And we wrapped her around resources. And she did not go to the appointment on Tuesday. And we celebrated and were thankful to God for what he's doing. But as we worked with her, as we came alongside, the fear in her head got so great. I never forget the day I got the call. He said, Pastor, I went and I did it. I've never been so heartbroken and honestly, so angry in my life. I couldn't believe I gave her resources, I gave her an opportunity, and she went and did it anyway. To be honest, when she started calling me after that, I didn't even answer the call. I was so angry at her. Last thing I wanted to do was engage with her because she had just done to me what the, the thing that I would spend the rest of my life fighting against. She went and did it. And then the Holy Spirit grabbed me and said, Albert, do you, do you honestly think you have the right to ignore her? When, when the lies and her worth is probably lower now than it's ever been? See, the way community works, Albert, is 
You don't get to walk away when they do something you disagree with. You don't get to just leave them when they make a decision that falls out of your theological rubric. You still have to love her. You still have to reach out to her. You still have to honor her. Why? Because Albert, you've done so much out of my theological rubric, but I still love you. I still come alongside you. I still answer your calls. So you don't get to walk away. So I had to learn how to empathize, how to come alongside someone that I disagree with. It didn't change my principles of truth, but it changed my posture and my tone. I'll confess I had a posture of self-righteousness and I had a tone of judgment. Holy Spirit said that posture should be of servanthood and that tone should be of grace. So I served her and I kept pursuing her as much as she allowed me. And my tone when I talked with her was a tone of grace because she was still God's child and God still had a purpose for her life. And God was still on the throne. And that means it shapes how I love, even when we disagree. Part of community working well is you have to learn to empathize with people, come alongside people, even when they make theological decisions outside of your rubric and your plan. Question, and then I'll round third and head for home. Are there people in your life where you need to change your posture and change your tone? Because they made a decision that you disagree with. You've kind of put them on the outside. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is saying, that's not kingdom community. Put on a posture of servanthood and speak with a tone of grace and bring them back in the fold because they are still worthy of your love if for no other reason God still loves you, so you should still love them. Amen? Amen. Uh, I'll I'll close with this. I'm over my time. I'll close with this. Um, Kingdom community has diversity. Don't look alike, don't live alike, don't vote alike. Has humility. You ain't Superman, you ain't Superwoman. Put on the seatbelt of community so that you might know the fullness of the body that he's calling you to. Number three, Empathy. Develop the capacity to understand one another and to come alongside one another, even if it means you have to go hiking. Finally, Paul in Corinthians chapter 13, he he pulls it all together. He says, if you get all of this right, but you missed this last element, then you've really missed it. So you really got to get this last part. And I've tried to find a way to say it better, but I can't say it better than Paul. So I'm just going to read what he wrote. He says this. He says, if you, if, you, if you get all this other stuff, if you get all these other spiritual attributes, but you don't get this last one, then you've missed it. Watch it. 13.1 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or the angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if 
I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he tells us what love is because if we're not careful, we'll create our own definition of what love is. We'll create our own version of love. Love is not some passive, ambiguous thing. He gives us a clear vision of what love is. Here at verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. Some of you need to elbow your spice, spouse. Uh, it does not envy. It does not boast. It, it, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hope, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. It, it's, it's like he takes diversity, he takes humility, he takes empathy, and he says you tie it all up with love. Love is what brings it all together. If you try to do any of those three without love, it ain't going to fit. Love brings it all together. It's kind of like a, a, a girdle or Spanx. Love brings it it's, it's like the new Spanx. It's like, like love is like Spanx. It just brings it together and pulls it in tight. Somebody wearing Spanx ought to say amen in here if you know what I'm talking about. It, it pulls it all together and holds it in tight. That's what love does. If you try to pursue community and you're not held tight by the love of God, you'll never be able to be that humble that long. You'll never be able to sit in someone else's shoes and come alongside someone. Love is what pulls it together. Y'all not getting it, I can tell. Let me help. Let me, let me say it another way. Love, it's kind of like this. When I, when I get together with my family, we, we have like these big parties, uh, reunions, graduations, weddings. And, and I'm telling you, I don't care how old you are, what, what season of life you're in. If we got a good DJ, there's always a good song that brings everybody on the dance floor. Uh, is anybody in here know how to party? Y'all, y'all, any, we got any partiers up in here? Y'all don't look like y'all know how to party. Anybody folks don't know how to party? I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you, if a party is dull, if it ain't popping like it should, I'm sorry, popping like it should, uh, it has enthusiasm and great ex- exuberance in a way that brings about times and moments of celebration. Uh, that's popping. Uh, if it's not popping... I mean, once this song comes on, everybody be like, hey, even my 90-year-old grandmama be like, oh, yes, Lord, this is my song right here. Like, I don't care if you're, if you're introvert, extrovert, mad, uh, I'm telling you, it, as a matter of fact, I brought the song with me from California. Uh, I don't have a little time. Do we, do we y'all, y'all want to hear the song? Y'all want to hear this? I'm telling you, once this song comes on, everybody gets on the dance floor, and it brings everybody together. Yo, DJ Dan, drop the song real quick. Oh, I'm telling you, this song come on. Folks start coming on the floor. They start moving. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Cut on, cut on, DJ. Wait a minute. Y'all know this song? Anybody know this song? Yo, can anybody want to party with me real quick? Yo, let me get my 30, 40 people on the stage real quick. Y'all hurry up, come up, and we're going to show them how we do a party. Come on, Willow, let's show them how to party. DJ Dan, play it one time. Come on, here we go. Y'all, come on. Let me, let's get some folks to come up on the stage. Y'all, come on, run up. Hurry up, hurry up. Come on, we got time. Hey. 
Hey, all ages, all stages. Come on. Y'all just line up back here. Come on. Hey. Yeah, come on. There we go. There we go. Come on, Grandmama. Yeah. Y'all, come on. Come on, run. There you go. Come on. Don't fall, honey. Here we go. Come on. So we just going to start clapping it up, getting ready. Everybody get on the floor. Come on, y'all. Hey. All right, here we go. They're going to give instructions. They're going to tell you which way to go. It's going to be real easy to do. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Hey, come on, one more time. To the right. To the left. Now kick. Hey, now walk it by yourself. Yeah, all right, listen, hold on, hold on. Cut it down, cut it, cut it, cut it. Y'all turn around this way. Come on, make some noise. Isn't that good? Y'all, come on, we got some more. Come on, come on. I just want you to see what just happened. Look around the stage, look around the stage. You see all ages, all stages, all colors. Listen, up here, you see people that got rhythm, and then you got other people up here. (laughs) What happened was, that song is like what love does in our life. It brings us all together. It brings us together with people that don't look alike, don't live alike, don't vote alike. You got from the babies to the young to the old. I won't point out who they are, but it's obvious. (laughs) And what I love about love is it brings us together and it moves us in the same kingdom rhythm. It moves us towards diversity. It moves us towards humility. And built in in this community is also accountability. Did you see it? Some folks didn't know where to go. So folks says, no, 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 it's to the right, to the right, to the left. Now kick, now kick, now. It's built-in community to show you which way to live. That's what we're inviting you to. What does it mean for us to come together in love, diversity and all, and allow the rhythm of the kingdom of God to move us to diversity, move us to humility, Move us to empathy so that we might be a display to the world of the kingdom rhythm of God, of what does it mean to be the people of God in the earth. This is who God has called us to be. We are all a part of the rhythm nation. I'm sorry, hold on, that's Janet Jackson. No, we are part of the rhythmic kingdom of God and we move in love with diversity, humility, and empathy for his glory. Amen.